Wired access. Yeah. Wired access. We'll do it live! Do it live! Hammers one to center field. And out of here! Rough moving over! And he makes the sliding catch. A two-run homer for Darren Ruff! Not that deep. We'll see. Darren Ruff is going to make the catch. Here comes Tom trying to score the throw there. Tag, and he got him. Wired access. We'll do it live. Welcome, everybody. Joining Wired Training Center owner Brian Southworth, myself, Kendall Wickwire. And our guest today is the Westside Warrior alumni, where he also helped win his sophomore season, the Nebraska State Championship team, finished runner-up his senior year. He played football, basketball, was a captain of the baseball team, football teams, and during his senior season, he actually won and achieved all state honors in both football and basketball. Darren Ruff, welcome to the show. We greatly appreciate you. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. You started out with a local uh, baseball team around here called the Pace Setters, which is a well-known team for many years in Omaha. What did the pace setter set your life up like to play sports beyond the select sport? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, uh, I have a July birthday, so I had to, uh, you know, play uh, a level up. Um, so all the, all the kids that I played with, all my teammates were, um, you know, freshmen in high school when I was still in eighth grade. So I, uh, uh, you know, got to, got to play with some older kids and, um, you know, really had to, um, you know, work, work well beyond, you know, my age, my age group and, uh, things like that. So, you know, and then, yeah, once I get to high school, I, I have, you know, a, a good connection with, with a lot of those, a lot of those guys that are already there and have already played high school baseball for a year. Or so, uh, that definitely helped. You know, it's when you see that your all-state honors is in a sport that you're not even playing at the professional level. Like looking back at it now, what does that tell you as of the type of person you were at that time in your life? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously uh, blessed to to stay healthy my whole you know high school career. Never had to deal with you know injuries of, of any kind and. Uh, you know, big tribute to, you know, the coaches that I had at Westside. We, we were blessed during my time. And as, as I know, a lot of the players there are now, but uh, to just have, you know, great, great teachers, great coaches. Um, you know, Coach Point was my defensive coordinator uh, at the time and, you know, really taught me uh, a lot about, um, you know, preparation and, um all the different ways you can prepare and, and how, how much it goes into, you know, your performance on the field. And we would have, uh, before every football game Friday night, we would meet early in the morning. He would get breakfast, uh, croissant, which from Burger King. And, uh, we would, the breakfast we would of over. champions, breakfast of right, champions. Exactly. Fuel, fuel the, uh, the, uh, day and a lot of us play well, I guess. But, um, anyway, yeah. So we'd watch the film. Uh, of the other of the other team, you know, really prepare, get to know what we might see that night, and uh, boy, did it help! So, uh, one of the one of the things that I will always remember. 
Well, Darren, and and obviously it's it's awesome as beyond the high school and the little league is uh, he committed and played first base for our local Creighton Blue Jays. Um, not just for athletics, though. You also went there for academics. You want to talk a little bit about that and how those two work together at a school as such as Creighton? Yeah, you know, um, sports and, and athletics, you know, stop for, um, you know, people at different stages in their lives and for different reasons as well. Uh, you know, luckily I've been blessed to uh, to continue as long as I have, but, um you know, without, without an education, um, you, you have to, you have to prepare for, for life after sports, uh, whenever that may come and, you know, studying hard and, um, you know, really, you know, trying to learn, try to figure out what you want to do in life, even though, you know, when you're playing baseball or, or football or basketball, or whatever you might be playing, you want, you obviously want to play as long as possible, but also prepare at the same time for, you know, what life might look like, uh, you know, after, after that, um, that competition, the, the athletics is over with. So, um, it's what I, you know, always try to tell people and kind of preach my, or did myself. Well, and, and while you're talking about the life after playing the sport, let, let's talk about mean to come back and give to your school. Like, how does that all figure in your mind? Like, is it something like you see in the future where you might come back to Creighton or is that even a possibility? Uh, you know, in the, in the coaching aspect. Yeah. Or just in general. In general. I mean, you don't even have to uh, coach. I mean, there's so many, yeah. you know, avenues, even just being a, a, a liaison, right. someone that's been there, someone that's, that's went beyond the crate and kind of have like a guideline or some way that you can help these kids get to that next step. Yeah. You know, um, obviously have a, a lot of respect for, for the program and, um, you know, coach service and everything he's done, um, you know, all the, all the former players and, and, um, you know, the coaches that have given their time to make that program what it is. And, um, yeah, you know, with, with Chris and, and a number of people, it's just, it's just the, the pride that everyone has, uh, for, for the uniform, for the, for the program. Um, like I said, I think a, a big reason is coach service and, you know, the, the relationship, uh, in relationships he tries to build with his players and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something special. And, you know, I still, uh, you know, I work out with his son, Joe, who's a, a trainer in the area and, um, just, you know, try to, try to keep those connections and, you know, yeah, one day, uh, I don't know what's going to happen after baseball, but, um, you know, Creighton, Creighton is a great school, has great athletics, uh, athletic programs and, um, would love to, you know, possibly explore that avenue if, if, uh, if the time comes. Going like, you know, talking about service. Um, I remember, I mean, it's not just the, the players. I feel like he always builds relationships with, I mean, just me as a coach and started a coach. I remember so much of the material, like giving us infield videos and doing coaches clinics, like seems like, a a really, really good guy that has goals, like not only helping like his players, but around the area. seems like he's pretty involved in the community and, and helping coaches too. Really good guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a funny story. I mean, I mean, our uh, bench coach with the Giants is Kai Correa and another very, very good defensive mind. But I think, 
I didn't even know before, but him and him and Coach Service have have a really good relationship and are considered two of the the better defensive minds in the country. Um, and they did a they did a conference together, and they I think they've done a couple a couple conferences together. I don't know if they've done a clinic or anything together, but um, to, to now have uh, another defensive mind when in my professional career, and um, for him to have a relationship with Coach Services is pretty funny and uh, yeah it goes goes to show you that you know the he's he's so well respected with you know the way he coaches defense and the way he puts emphasis on um you know just making routine plays throwing and catching the ball and um that's that's really important um to winning games uh, as as everyone knows well and and of course you've played the game for a long time going up until you got into Creighton what was one of the things that you were most proud of from college, high school, and Little League? And what was the biggest fear that you had of going from one to the next to the next? Good question. <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, biggest accomplishment. I just, I just think it was just being able to, um, you know, stay healthy and, pursue all three sports in, in, in high school, you know, getting to play football, basketball, and baseball, um, getting to learn from, from all the coaches. I, I try to tell people when I, when I was going through, you know, playing little league, playing high school, that it's important to, to do as much as you can, because you never know what you're going to learn from each individual coach. Um, and you can pick up things, that you find about find out about yourself as an athlete and as a person through, you know, what maybe your football coach might've said or your basketball coach. Um, and you get, you get all those different perspectives, you get all those different coaching styles that um, will only benefit you in the long run. Um, but I know it's not much of an accomplishment. Well, I gotta go, I gotta go back to like the high school part too. And even like back yeah. a little bit to the youth baseball. So you know, one thing that you mentioned is you were a year younger than everyone you're playing with, with the July birthday, which right. absolutely like kind of bucks the trend right now. And my kids in that, yeah. that same, like, my son's scenario. the younger one. I, I know how it is. He's the youngest one and, and he's the short, he's the tweener the whole time. He is a tweener. Yeah. I, I feel like, it, I mean, that's, that's super interesting and actually incredible. I mean, you were able to, to play with older kids, like be, you know, be the, be the youngest kid and then, you know, continue that and still play, and contribute to three varsity sports. I mean, that's incredible. Um, you know, but I, the, all the kids I see kind of persevere through that and work harder. It's incredible. Like the long-term benefits, like a late bloomer, you know, really has right. to work harder than everyone else. Tell us a little bit of like more about, you know, there's, I'm sure there's some parents out there listening that they're like, Oh, Hey, should I redshirt my kid? I started my kid too early. I started, you know, should I, should I reclass them as they call it now? They call it reclassing where I got to hear more and your thoughts and that. And like what that did for you of, you know, playing with the older guys. I mean, you know, this mostly goes to questions for me. I'm being selfish here because my kids, yeah, no, no, my son's a 10th grader and, and he is nothing but a tweener. He's just six foot. I tell you, he wants to work. What, how does that look like for you? Yeah, so I mean, luckily, I think when I was nine, ten, and eleven, I was, I was physically at, you know, probably an age above. Um, but yeah, I, I think around that twelve, 
15 area. I got, um, I, I mean, they grew up faster than I did at that age. Yep. Um, so 9, 10, 11, I, I played more often than not. When I was 12 and 13, I didn't play as much on the team. Um, when I was 14, I kind of came in and started, uh, you know, going, you know, growing a little bit more, uh, physically and stuff. Um, but then that 14 year old here, it ended up kind of, I mean, funny in a way, but I went to trial for the West side reserve team and ended up making the team, but I didn't know it because I wasn't going to school there and they posted the list in the locker room and no one ever called me and told me I made the team. So uh, at the time, there was a team called, uh, I think it was like Blackstone Ravens. It was uh, Jim Venuto ran it, and he let me be on the team. And it was a bunch of seniors that didn't make their high school teams. Um, so here I was, I was a 14-year-old kid playing with a bunch of seniors. And I, I didn't play with them necessarily I, I more or less just practiced with them um I got to you know go to their games and and watch and uh, I think I went to a few tournaments with them I got a few at bats here and there but um you know nothing to constitute saying that I was an actual member of the team uh, well, well and I'm glad that you're yeah. bringing it up you know because what this does is this is that continuous thing that everybody relates back to a Michael Jordan, and yes, I the greatness is the greatness. Don't get me wrong, but just because you don't make a team does not mean that's the end of the world at this young right. age. Is it the hardest thing? Yeah, I mean, having to go back and not make it twice last year, taken out for COVID this year, right. you just made it just short, but like it's teaching you beyond where you are today because was baseball your number one sport? Was that the one you really wanted to go all out? Obviously being a three sport athlete. Uh, I mean, it was, it was the sport I was the best at. I would say baseball and then football. And then I played basketball just you know, cause I love, love playing the game. And, um, but, uh, baseball was, yeah, probably my route to college and beyond. Uh, I, I could have probably tried to play football somewhere if I wanted to. Um, it would have been a lot more, a lot more difficult, and I would have had to put in a lot more time in the weight room and things like that, and uh, you know, become a, a well, not, I wouldn't say different, but just like have a different mindset. You to be a football player, you, you have to have a, a little bit more a different mindset once you get beyond high school. Um, so yeah, I, I always figured baseball was my route but well and I like that you said working outside of it obviously we're here joined with wired training center owner Brian you're seeing more of programs like Brian's open up to these kids being someone that grew up playing baseball all the way through what does this look like for you when you see these guys giving back to kids opening it up to high schools I mean they had Elkhorn South in here just yesterday because of the weather like yeah. These facilities were not there when I was a kid. I know they yeah. weren't there when you were a kid. Like how did what does it look like for you being a, an MLB player seeing the opportunities these kids have? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think yeah, what Brian's doing at Wired and um and and all the other facilities that have opened up and provided, you know, seven through high school 7-year-olds through high school kids. Um 
you know, a great, great facilities, great, um, just overall venues. Like I, we had the strike zone, I think when I was growing up, maybe UBA came along when I was in college. Um, but yeah, to have, uh, and, and then just they're clean. They have all the latest analytic equipment and, um, it's, and that's the way the game's going. So it's, it's, uh, it's really nice. And just to give the kids an, uh, a place to play an organization to play with, um, the, the more kids playing, the better, in my opinion. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you'll never, if you don't have a, pay, a place to play, you'll never know what, you know, the opportunities you can have going forward. So the more places, the more teams, uh, the better, I think. Those iron mics at the strike zone used to humble me like all the time. <laughs> Those things were right? tough to hit. It, get a little 15-minute time slot hitting the, the yellow dimple ball. Oh. Yeah, I mean, oh, coming out. Could, it, it's like a reality see. check for a moment. You're like, no, I got this, I got this, I got this. Those things do such a yeah, good job cage, hiding cage, the ball, and then it's like on you, I mean. Yeah, cage four throwing 70 from like 37 feet or whatever it was. <laughs> that, that humbled me a couple times, so. Yeah. Would... It's, you know, interesting talking about like the, the teams and, and stuff and like, you know, I, I want to go onto your path because you started with the Phillies, then ended up in Korea, and then you know got another chance um, yeah. with the Giants. Tell us about like your kind of path you took in pro ball, and you know, I, I'm super interested more so like what what Korea was like. I mean, tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, it could go on forever, but uh, but yeah, start you know started with the Phillies and um, did well enough to play out my options. And, uh, you know, and stick around, uh, be valuable enough to the team. And um, once once I ran out of options, they, they had uh, not much of a reason for me to be around anymore. So um, I, I knew that, uh, you know, Asia was going to be a possibility after that last year. I played really well, you know, in AAA and um, had a lot of those scouts at the games, things like that. So. The whole offseason, I was thinking that that was going to happen, but it didn't happen until I think it was like two or three days before uh, Major League Camp opened. A team in Korea needed a hitter, an offensive player, and um, reached out. Uh, and thankfully, I thought that that where I was going to—that's where I was going to end up. Um, and sure enough, did showed up to spring training late for them. They they start pretty early like early early to mid uh january so um but yeah that that whole experience is is something else and uh, the the atmospheres at those games i mean if, if you love baseball um it's there'll be it would be on a bucket list of of you know games to attend if, if you're able to because um you know they have they have cheerleaders they have um fight songs for every player they're singing the whole time it's it's quite quite a, an entertaining venue uh to watch a baseball game in and um the the, the ability levels of the players is, is very high it's just it's just really cool to to experience um well and yeah, as I, you said there you know they say that baseball is america's past game but by the looks from afar, and I'm I'm telling you, I just see very little clips. 
But every yeah. clip that I see over there in Korea and all that is like it's like a a World Series every game. Yeah. It doesn't look like the fans back off. It doesn't look like there's no. less action. Like it, that is life, but yet we consider it here being, you know, the pastime, right. you know, and they're like yeah. taking it right now and they're wanting it. So to see you go that route, and obviously you said they were looking for power. Um, you had the one talent uh, evaluator that quoted in Lindsay Sports in 2014 that, you know, your strong power hitter who is possessed with raw country strength at the plate. What does that mean? Like, like being from Nebraska, that, that to me just reads what we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it had a lot to do with where I, where I came from. Um, although Omaha, I wouldn't consider the country. Uh, <laughs> you mean like you mean but, like UConn? How they put uh they put three players they had they had to play Creighton basketball. And they were coming to Omaha, so they made this flyer where it had three of their basketball players in cornfields in in Nebraska or in <laughs> Omaha. But yet, I'm pretty sure as soon as they landed yeah. and the route yeah. that they went, they saw not one one they, cornfield. They corn stock for sure yeah um but yeah i mean it's it, uh it was a great experience to go over there and yeah I, that that's the kind of player that they kind of scout it's a, a player that can hit homers because that's what they love to see um like if you hit a pop-up on the infield the crowd goes nuts thinking that it's a homer <laughs> um, but, Depth but yeah, perceptions would, off i got it yeah they uh, they they love watching baseball and they love a good effort from the team no matter what we got beat 15 to 2 one game I'm sure a handful of people left but not many people left it was a home game Um, and at the end at the end of every game you line up on the line and like bow to the fans basically thanking them for you know coming out and uh, cheering on and stuff and we got beat 15 to 2 we're out there and they're clapping clapping for us telling us to keep our heads up and all no one's stuff. throwing nothing at you you're not getting beer no thrown one's at th- you not, i didn't get booed once <laughs> in three years it was great you're like is this is this the same baseball and speaking of that i mean right. obviously playing at three different levels and and i say that because just the timing where the phillies were when you were there when you went over and played in korea and then coming back to the giants what is a crucial thing that you've taken from each of these experiences to make you to be able to deal with these pressure moments when you're in the game? Because obviously there's a lot of great things going on with not just your bats, your effort, everything that comes together to obviously give you a third opportunity to play the game that you love. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, I guess perseverance in a way. I, uh, yeah, coming back, uh, from Korea, I, I really dedicated myself in the off season. I knew, you know, signing a minor league deal that I was going to have to make the team out of camp and really make a good good first impression um, with everyone there and uh, really worked hard in the off season. Um, you know, l- luckily I, I played really well in the first part of spring training um, and I didn't give, well, COVID didn't give me a chance to, uh, you know, come down from the, from playing well. We, uh, we got sent home right as I was, swinging the bat really really well um so when we went back for that summer camp i uh that's all they remember but how well i hit uh, in in the probably 25 at bats that i got so um 
lucked out that uh, I didn't let or they they believed the small sample size that I put forth in that little camp and um, you know the, luckily I've continued to swing the bat well through the last year and then the year before that too so yeah just just really thankful that uh, I, I've had you know great great coaches with the with the Giants and I mean we have a staff of like 13 but um, all of them are great all of them contribute and all of them bring bring something to make all of us better. So how is it, you know, you, you obviously came back during COVID year. How was it playing in front of no fans compared Ooh, to yeah, the West that you played in, in Korea? I mean, that complete 180 there. That's, I don't know. I'm it interested. Was. No, I mean, it, it wasn't as weird um, as you might think, just because they had the, the crowd noise and, a lot of places had the cardboard cutout, so it looked like someone was there. Um, but then it was also just it was hitting the trash I mean, cans, yeah, real, relaxing like almost. <laughs> there, you didn't feel as much pressure, I would say, um, throughout every single game or at bat. Um, Did you feel the same so- energy to play though, like? Like, just be honest, obviously the year's done, gone, but did you feel yeah. the same energy that you felt before? I mean, especially coming back and getting that opportunity. Yeah. Certainly it's different. Um, I Fans give you that natural energy, um, but then as a competitor and um, and everything else, you have pride and in, in stuff like that that gives you that inner energy to – know that you know you're going out there and competing and you want to you want to win you want to beat that other person out there so i mean certainly you get you get that energy and the you know hair to stand up on your skin from fans being there but you also bring it when they're not there too and we'll get you out of here on this one we are with darren ruff major league baseball player not only for the phillies when he was drafted went across played for uh, South Korea in their top league and then came back. He's now with the Giants. Do you ever look beyond the business side and wish you could go to your favorite team when you were a kid or even maybe come back home to like Kansas City or Omaha? Is that ever one of your things that you ever think of? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I, uh, yeah, obviously when, when you get the opportunity to play professional baseball, you don't really care for who or where or win or any of those things but um but yeah you can you can try to make those decisions too if, you, if you're lucky enough to play long enough um you know sometimes they work out sometimes they don't but yeah I mean playing closer to home where you know more of my family and friends could could potentially come come watch come see me play definitely something that you know every every player wants um yeah, not to play as far, almost as far away from, from Omaha as possible. I tried to come uh, watch the okay. game that you and Jake Myers were going to play at, and uh, I and I literally I could not get there like in time. I was like looking at the flights and when it's, the flights were, I'm like I literally could not get to San Francisco before the game started. There's no way yeah, to do his, it. His parents almost didn't make it here. I think I think uh, they had their flights canceled and. Boy, I think I think they made it just in time for the game, but um, but yeah, that was that was really cool to to see Jake, and I was there for uh, for Jackson Reese's first major league hit as well. Wow! Um, 
uh, although he didn't know I was there. I was playing first base the whole game. And, uh, <laughs> you go up at the end? Until, until he hit his double. I said, well, let me be the first to congratulate on your first big, big league hit. And he's like, like, oh, hey, what's going on? I'm like, Jackson, I've been playing first base for nine innings right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, to, to be able to see – Jackson and Jake make their major league debuts to two other, you know, uh, local guys was was really really cool. Well, we greatly appreciate your time, and obviously, our goal here is just to share the stories, the the effort, yeah. the work that people have no idea. Like some of the struggles, some of the things that could look great. Obviously, everybody wants to be a three store three sport athlete in high school. But it's a very slim number. And then for, like we said, you turn it in this baseball career. And we're watching from a distance. And uh, what's your biggest thought with everything that's going on? I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, we just want to see the game. Wouldn't you yeah, agree, Brian? I, like, kids want to see the game. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I hope we, you know, can get back yesterday. But, um, yeah, there's. I'm not in, in any part or anyone in the know of anything that goes on. I just hope that, yeah, that cooler has prevailed on this whole thing. We can play as many games as possible and, you know, make it up to, you know, all the fans that, you know, wanted to go out to spring training and, and weren't able to, or, you know, we're, we're had tickets to opening day. And, um, you know, it's, those are the people that you really, you really feel for and, and hope that, you know, people get something figured out here and we can try to start making it up to those people. Well, thank you again, San Francisco giant Darren Ruff hanging out with us. We'll hopefully catch up with you in the future and uh, see this career grow. Cool. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Dan. You know, Brian, you know, we've had two major league baseball players go two different routes (laughs) and you're one that is obviously has a son up and coming. Like, how does your mind change when you went from I'm teaching the kids that are where I want my son to be to where he is now at, you know, how, how young's Gunner? Eight, nine now? He is eight. Oh, my gosh. Eight-year-old baseball this year. You know, how does your mindset change between those, you know, ages? And because – Everybody says you don't teach an eight-year-old what you taught the 18-year-old in certain aspects, but in others you do, right? Yeah, yeah, man, man. A lot, a lot of ways you can go with that that question, but yeah, I mean, I think first, more than anything, in what I try to teach all the players and, and the kids on the team that I coach is, is first we try to teach them how to love love the game. You know, I mean, there's – it's tough. So you have to more so gamify the, the training, do fun things and, and get them to love it. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the major leaguers want like information, you know, like how fast am I, you know, hitting the ball and use that. We're like, I think sometimes that just gets really confusing to an, an eight year old kid. And if you can just kind of teach them, like it's about tricking them, teaching them to get to what the, the pro guys do, but in a manner that, it, what it looks like to uh, a youth player, you know, is like if you can get a youth player to hit the ball over the infield, that's going to translate pretty well later on, you know? So 
That's tough. It's, it's tough to bounce back and forth because I think the more mechanical you get with the youth players, the less they do that you want them to do. If you tell a kid, Hey, like, you know, you know, you got to use your hip, you know, your hips go, then your upper body goes and then your back goes, <laughs> you just, they are going to do nothing like that. Right. So, like it's not going to look like that at all. And actually they're probably going to look worse from you trying to teach them that than if you just taught them to hit the ball hard and in the air. So what, what do you think your best, best way to take the challenge by the horns for your team and be able to separate yourself. Is there sometimes you still have to back away for just a moment so you can get those words together that you want to use, or do you feel you can stay pretty spot on with eight U baseball when you're used to training the big leagues? I mean, yeah. you've dealt with all levels. If you would have asked me this question like ten years ago, like um, when I was coaching my first select team, I the, you know I would say like it would have looked a lot differently. I definitely. You know, starting to coach, there's a lot of mistakes I made with the the first group of kids I I, I coached and, and took up and, you know, end up being a good team. But, you know, thankfully, I was able to learn, you know, from those mistakes coming in. So, honestly, this group of eight-year-olds, I have a pretty good grasp on. But, you know, if we talk about the last team, there was a lot of learning lessons and definitely get confused and, you know, angry with kids and then – um you know, I don't know, definitely learned a lot over the years of what to do and not to do. And I think the the least amount of pressure you can put on and not acknowledge their mistakes. And, you know, I mean, we talk about before our scrimmage, the first thing we talked about is like, hey, are we going to make mistakes today? And, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're absolutely going to make mistakes where if you would ask me like 10 years ago, you know, we probably no mistakes. Yeah. Mistake free I mean, baseball. Right. You. Right. So let's just let's just acknowledge that we're going to make a lot of mistakes throughout the season. It's going to happen. Um, but you know, if you can learn from those mistakes, like we're going to be better later on. So I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I have a much different approach teaching this eight year old team than the last select team I, I brought up. Well, and it's a good point that you say that, you know, for, for the game of baseball and, and obviously I think it's probably one of the worst in the game of baseball is it is very unforgiving. If you don't learn it at an early age of how to let it go. Right. Because, like you said, not every pitch is going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. That's why we're still playing 8U baseball. We're not playing. Don't get me wrong. The wins are awesome. All that's awesome. But I think you've shown and you've seen where if you can keep those kids understanding that the mistake happens, we're on the next play, by the end of the year, they're where you want them mentally when it does get harder and when you are at the end of your games. You know what I mean? Because you haven't worn them down to go, it's perfect, 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 and and you're never going to make mistakes. You know, and I think that's like one of, no matter how hard I tried, I, I wasn't a baseball coach. I was the dad on the sideline. I played it when I grew up, you know, and I was I was the catcher. The, I was the loud guy. I would get every all the parents up and, and going, you know, and then you look at your own kid and you're like, I he's playing catcher. How come he ain't getting the parents going? And, and and all these things, but in the long run, it's still an unforgivable game where, you know, these kids are thinking in their mind consistently something as far as a simple missed ground ball is like the end of the world. You know, where where yeah. at 8U, you're just like, man, I don't want it to be that devastating to you. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's interesting, though. I mean, a lot of that I feel like is like, uh, you know, 
external pressure from like a parent or coach that creates that. I mean, you know, like I, th- I feel like a, lo- the, a lot of the, when you look at an eight year old, like, you know, a lot of the pressure is like, and you know, players getting upset or anything like that. It's a lot of time. It's like a learned behavior from someone else in their life, either a coach or a parent or something, you know? So I think that's also the hardest part is a lot of the pressure these kids like, you know, have on them is, is from outside people. And you just, I know you just don't see a lot of kids stop loving baseball. They usually stop loving a coach or a team or something. I mean, baseball is a pretty fun game, but a lot of the, the pressure that they put on themselves or people put on them is usually why they end up quitting baseball. And so then if you, if you look at your current team, what do you think is going to be your easiest thing to keep them on task? And what do you think you're going to have struggles with? I mean, just, I mean, obviously you got to think, there's so many kids that start at this level and there's so many parents. So, and I, and here I'm talking about as a parent, just looking at a parent point of view, not your coach, take your coaching hat off. What do you think is the biggest thing as a parent that you are going to have as a struggle? And what do you think is going to be one of the things that you find easy to deal with? Oh man. All right. From, from a parent standpoint, I think it's, kind of trusting the pop process and like just letting your kid learn from failures and, and like, you know, just see him. Cause there's going to be the games that, that he messes up and, you know, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing or, you know, just, he's an eight year old, maybe like didn't sleep last night and played Fortnite till like 1am. He's tired, now, you know, like now see so your coach. So do you have, do you have your assistants take your son? So then you can watch over as a dad or do you do, Kind of a little bit of both. Um, a, a little bit of both. So, you know, I coach football. That was my main sport. And I did anything I could not to be a tight ends coach, not to be a D-line coach, not to be an offensive line coach. Anything to stay to where I was the furthest guy away from my son. So I coached defensive backs. Yes, a big guy like myself, which was probably one of the hardest things because, with, I mean, these are the fastest kids on the field that you're dealing with. So what is that like when, when it comes to coaching and assistant coaching on that point? Honestly, I, I do. I I feel like I do a a decent job of, of separating like, Hey, I'm a coach now or I'm a parent now. Right. Like on the field, it's, it's a coach. I mean, he's going to get feedback and, and be taught what to do. And, and then in, in the car, then they'll flip the dad. I know that's like sometimes easier said than done because, a lot of times the kids will, will ask questions, you know, about something and, and, you know, you have to take off your coach hat, put your parent hat or, <laughs> or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, some, it's definitely hard to turn it on and off me personally. I haven't had a problem, you know, cause we don't, I don't deliver like a lot of negative feedback to, to my players. Yeah. Um, you know, we just kind of move on and be like, Hey, this is what you could have done here. And you know, this is, this is what you can do next time. So I don't know. It, I've, I've changed a lot over the years with, with how I coach, but um, I'm definitely not afraid to, to get on my kid. But my kid, uh, he's not, not lacking any confidence. So, you know, he, he doesn't I mean, with a like name he, like Gunner, I mean, how could you lack anything? I mean, the, the name says it. The, the hair says it. I mean, 
He he's blonde hair. I mean, he he's you know, it's like a dirty blonde, but I'm telling you, he rides it like it's blonde. Like he owns this place. You swear he he paid the bills. Yeah, he he talks <laughs> more crap than anyone to the facility. I mean, he he comes in and his phrase is like your dog walking. <laughs> Goes and talks crap to to Bargo. Usually, is the person he's looking at right away and talking crap to him. So making sure he hears him. Yeah, you know, honestly, the the more coaching I have to give Gunner than than on the field, because I mean, Gunner's been been blessed. He's he's grew up around the game. You know, there was yeah. at one point where me and him literally were in a hotel about twenty four days in a row, traveling, coaching. So you know, he he's learned from a, a lot of good players just watching. But you know. Uh, the more of the feedback I have to like get them back to reality, you know, after a good game or a bad play or, you know, it one, it's, it's never his fault if he makes a mistake. <laughs> well, of course, dad, um, never, you know, and he's, he's always the best player, you know? So it's like, it's, it's more in that route that, uh, that I usually have to coach Matt that, that and, and kind of try to set a little reality that you're like, I want him to have this confidence, but, I want him to understand how to use the confidence. <laughs> that that's a that's the <laughs> that's the truth, man. It's like it's a total balance because baseball is such a mental game, you know. And um, too much swagger could put you off. Just enough gets that home run. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because I asked my son that he had two home runs, one at nine and one at eleven, and I'm like, do you even do anything different? No. Okay, then stop trying to do anything different when you're up at the plate. Then yeah. Yeah, you're going to laugh at this one. So we had a scrimmage here last week. And, yeah. Um, Gunner had a great game. I mean, I, like, probably the best game of his life. So he went four for four, four doubles, four to the fence. And, you know, he's like, people are talking about the other coaches, like, hey, like, stop doing that. He's like, how about no? I'm going to hit the ball again. You know, like, uh, yeah. not lacking any confidence in the after game. He's like, hey, uh, in the meet, team meeting, he's like, who is the MVP today? And he's like, you know, calm down, Gunner. Like, yeah. It's it's more of, of that, but you know how much do you want to tame the bull, right? Like you want him going in every at bat, thinking that he's gonna. Beat this that is gonna pitcher. be it. So well, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's a balance. You know, I don't know the right answer. Truthfully, I mean, I'll probably it'll it'll sway one way or the other, probably every other year. But it's something that that I think about all the time, and I honestly don't know the answer to. Well, and and, and let's let's end the show on this one. We obviously got a great story from Darren Ruff, uh, Major League Baseball player for the Giants, played for the Phillies, went a different route than obviously what we already had talked with Cade. What do you tell a sophomore like himself? Because Darren said he made a team, but he didn't know, so then he had to go a different route. What do you tell these kids that had their their thoughts, their dreams, walk away from them in high school tryouts What's the options? What do these kids have to look for? And, and how can they find help around here? Yeah, well, baseball is a funny, you know, hard thing where there's just, there's a lot of kids that play baseball and in each level there's, there's more limited spots, right? Like, um, you know, I, I would say don't let your situation affect what what your long-term goals are if you have now the goals might need to change if you you know got cut and you had goals of playing division one baseball that that might not work out but if you got cut and you want to play college baseball i will tell you the opportunity is out there for you to play college baseball now you might need to take a look at what you did this offseason how much time you spent on it you know what your opportunities are because a lot of people say like 
you know, I want to play baseball or they try out and they get cut and, you know, their training consists of, you know, going to take batting practice for 15 minutes or so. So, you know, you might have to revamp your training and, and, you know, we talked last time, like the, the six hours a day, six days a week, six months of the year, you know, you might need to go find some place that you can train like that and have a dedicated program and, and put a lot more time in. But, you know, for those that getting cut, out, cut from their high school team, there's a lot of opportunities out there. We have a program in here called the Millard Sox. They practice, they practice here throughout the, the off season. You know, one thing I just saw on Twitter was pretty cool. I think two or three of their players who got cut from their high school team already made their high school team the following year. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there if you want to continue playing the game of baseball and, you know, don't let one bad experience not making one team affect your long-term goals. No, that's a great message to all those kids, parents, anybody that's listening and, and want to check it out. Once again, we greatly appreciate everybody joining uh, Wired Access here. This is episode two. We're just trying to get messages out to not only coaches, parents. I mean, everybody's at a different stage in their life with their, their son or even daughters, um, as we will have some ladies coming up as some interviews, and, and I'm I'm so stoked getting this show going and we greatly appreciate everybody out there that's helping share like and follow and uh we'll see you on the flip side at the next episode i'm kendall that's brian we'll see you